So beautiful. Thank you, Kay. Thank you. In a world where so many feel lost, I know God. I've thought that many times in my life. Um, How do people who don't have something spiritual, something greater, something higher to hold on to, how do they make it through this life? Because this life is tough. It's hard on us. It's hard on us. And I could say, compared to what? (laughs) Compared to how we think it should be. So this month, we've been talking about love in honor of um, Valentine's Day, February kind of being the month of love. And um, I love that it's the month of love and the month of Black History Month. Um, So we talked about love for oneself, that until we have love for ourselves, it's very difficult to impossible to look outside of ourselves to truly love others. And then last week, we talked about relationships, about how to bring our best selves to the relationship, which is really just about being in the presence, listening, noticing, being in the moment, allows others to know that they are loved by us. And so this week, we're talking about mm, the love of God. And I don't know um, what... It took me a while to figure out what that means in the context of the way I look at God at this point, because I was brought up with this idea that, oh, you need to worship God. You need to praise God. We're worshiping and praising God because he's very jealous. (laughs) And if you're, if you're not praising him, he might not know that you love him. So you need to praise. I mean, those are actually words from the Bible. It's a jealous God. You know, it's a God that wants you to fall down and worship before him. And I don't believe that to be true. And yet, when you are, as Suge so beautifully described in her words, when God is an it, not a he or a she, not a being, but every single thing, a tree, the air, other people, the room we're sitting in, how do you love that God? Well, first of all, you have to find your own love. You have to find your own God. You have to find what that means to you. And so I'm not going to tell you what that means to you, but I'm going to tell you how I go about loving God. So in Psalms 139, it says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. So praising God in that sense is just, wow, look at me. What we talked about last week and the week before, how amazing, how precious to have a human birth on this planet. It's a one in a billion, 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 billion chance to even be here. And so that praise is thanks. It's wonder. Wow. So if you can think of praise as, wow, Wow, thank you. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And if you don't know that, watch a medical show sometime or see that, have somebody put a scope down your throat and take a look at what it looks like in there. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully means respectfully in this context. With honor, we are made from honor and wonder. So the ways that I know to love God are these. 
There's more, but these are the ones that came to me. Sing. Invite. When I invite God in, that's a way of loving God. When I pray, that's a way of loving God. It's just me communicating with that oneness. I love God by asking, by knocking, by seeking, by saying, hey, I'm here. I need help. <laughs> I've lost my way. Hello, are you there? Because I'm waiting. I love God by serving. And who do we serve? Our planet and the people and creatures on it. I love my God by spending time with God. It's very difficult to develop a relationship with anyone, including yourself, if you refuse to spend time with yourself. And please know that time spent playing a game on your phone is not time with yourself. It is time away from yourself. It is distraction. So can you be present with yourself? Can you be truly present with another, as we talked about last week? And can you be truly present to whatever your concept of God is? Time. And thanks. Always in everything being grateful. Always in everything being grateful, knowing that either something great is happening or you are learning something great or you're being led to something great or all of the above. And no matter how bad it is, there's someone who has it worse than you and you don't have to worry about that. You help if you can. That's service to God. But you get to be in your life and overcome your obstacles and the last thing, which is really the first thing, is just notice. Just notice. Like Shug said, I was sitting out there one day and I noticed this tree is God. The air is God. Birds are God. You are God. It's all right there, but we don't notice it because we don't pay attention to it. So attention is what we have to give. So when we give thanks, it means we're aware. That's all it means, is that we're aware of what's going down here. When we are not giving thanks, it means that we're not really aware of all that's going down. We're focusing on the things that we don't like or the things that we're worried about or the things that never will happen, but we're afraid they are going to, so we have to spend a lot of time preparing for them. <laughs> Maybe not you, but me, certainly. And so being thankful is about being aware. It's about being aware of beauty anywhere you find it. Noticing it and then saying thanks. Noticing means enjoying. And when you enjoy, you say thanks. Noticing means that you are appreciating the creation. You are appreciating. And you know when you appreciate something? In financial terms, that means it gains in value. If your money in the bank appreciates, right? So what are you appreciating? What are you giving more value to? Is it the stuff you don't want or is it the beautiful stuff that you're taking the time to notice? Appreciate creation, including yourself. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am the bomb. 
I am God's bomb. And I get to revel in that wonder. And then when I do, I can go, oh my gosh, look at all these God bombs out here. You are all the bomb. You are, you are that. And so when we see it in ourselves, when we have spent the time with God, then it is so much easier for us to recognize it when we see it in others. So much easier. So notice and give thanks. And guess what? When you give thanks, when you give praise, when you appreciate, when you say, that was awesome, it releases dopamine in your body, which makes you feel good, which makes you more likely to give thanks, which releases more dopamine, which makes you feel good. So if you're not feeling good and you feel like you could use a hit of your own internal drug that makes you feel better, start giving thanks from wherever you are. If you're in jail, start giving thanks that you have a floor holding you up, that there's a bench to sit on. There's always something to be thankful for. And then time. Time is so important. It's very difficult to have a relationship if you don't spend time with another person. Have you found that to be true in life? Yeah. It has been shown that 12 minutes, 12 minutes of personal reflection and or prayer, 12 minutes of being still with yourself and with whatever your notion of God is, changes your brain chemistry. Surely you have 12 minutes. 12 extra minutes somewhere, 12 minutes to put your phone down. I know I play a game on my phone that I get, it's a 10 minute timing each time and I'm trying, you know, (laughs) I could put that down twice and I got more than my 12 minutes right there, 12 minutes. It strengthens a unique neural circuit that specifically enhances our social awareness and our empathy. That's how it changes the brain chemistry in a very specific way. In a very specific way, it enhances our awareness of other people and what they might be going through and our relation to them and our empathy for others. Y'all, we are all the bomb and we're all in this together. We're all in this together. Even the people we don't agree with, even the people we don't like, even the people that we blame for causing whatever this is, we're still in it together. All of us. So heightening our compassion, allowing us to love our neighbor as ourselves. When you are heightened in compassion and empathy, it is much more difficult for you to experience negative emotions. Spend your 12 minutes and say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And you will rewire your brain. What are you waiting for? Do it. And then serving God, serving God. Hmm, what does serving God mean? That phrase can be fraught. In the church where I grew up, um, our way, the females in the church, way of serving God was to sit down and shut up. (laughs) Women were not to speak in the church. Women did not lead prayer. They did not lead singing. 
They did not pass the collection plate. They did not greet people at the door. Our role was to sit down and shut up. You can imagine how well that went over with me. <laughs> I was telling Bill er earlier that I've joined a 12-step a, a group for compulsive talkers called On and On and On. <laughs> Yeah. So that didn't work for me. Sit down and shut up does not work for me. So what does work for me? Well, I have to use that. I have to figure that out. I use my heightened awareness that I get from my 12 minutes a day. I use my gratitude that I'm practicing on a daily basis so that it comes to me more easily. I use the dopamine that my body is filled with to love in the world. And to serve God in the world means to love. That's it. I have a friend who, who uh, is a doctor, and she said for years she was afraid to pray, thy will be done, because she figured she'd have to go to Africa. <sighs> well, if that's yours to do, then that's the message you'll get. But that, is not, that was not hers to do. It was never hers to do. It was clear that she had a mission right here. God doesn't want anything different for you than what you want for yourself, good and love. That's it. That's it. It may express in ways that you don't understand, but your 12 minutes a day and your thank yous will open you up to understand more and more deeply, to notice the beauty, to notice the goodness and the rightness. And so serving God in the world means making whatever your concept of God is, making it real. Not like, oh, here's something I think about for a while on Sunday morning and go, hmm, that's interesting. I'm ready for donut. But to go, when you get up in the morning, how can I serve God today? And you don't have to use the word God if that's triggering for you. How do I serve the world today? How do I serve love? How can I be the peace I want to see? A quote from Gandhi. How can I be joy and harmony? How can I hold light? for the darkness in the world? How can I be who I want to see? How can I be the person I wish everybody else was? <laughs> I wish they'd be more, stop honking at me. Be more, wish you were more patient. <laughs> you know, we want other people to act a certain way that we're not necessarily willing to ourselves. But when we are serving God, we are keeping God real real in our minds as we go through our days. That means keeping love real and present in our minds as we go through our day. It means keeping compassion and empathy present as we go through our day. And here's a line from 1 Peter. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. Oops. Am I always speaking as one who speaks the very words of God? Well, obviously I'm speaking about whatever my God is at that moment. My God might be my feeling of inconvenience. And I've squashed my love in order to express that. So what does it mean to keep God present? You know, here's the, here's the deal, y'all. 
if, if you can just do it for one more second a day <laughs> than you did yesterday, that's progress. I am not good at this, but I am practicing it and I work at it. I work at it every day and it pays off because I am happier. I get more of those hits of dopamine. Wow. If anyone speaks, do, sh do so as one who speaks the very word of God. Because as Suge so beautifully said, God is inside you. You're not going to find it in some place other than where you are. Only where you are. So when you speak, you have the power to speak the word of God because God is love in you. And you can express that at any time that you're willing and that you notice and that you're aware and that you're open to it. So invite, that's the next thing. Invite God in. Oops, I was kind of forgetting God there a moment when I was saying every cuss word that I know. I don't have to feel bad about myself. I can go, oh yeah, come on God, get in the passenger seat with me. As a matter of fact, you drive. <laughs> I'll sit over here, I'll sit over here. Whatever makes, whatever works for you, whatever construct in your thinking can help you be aware that, oh yeah, I am driving this car for God. And where I'm driving it to is a place where I will speak words for God. How would that change your life? And so we just invite it in. We say, come on, come on. I know it looks like I'm going, come on, come on, because <laughs> we don't always want it. We want to do what we want to do. We want to do what our first impulse is. But when we can override that first impulse, that's when we rewire our brains and we don't have so many negative impulses to have to override. It's cumulative. It's progressive. It's progressive. So we invite God in. Here's the deal. We don't actually invite God in. I can say it that way because it makes sense to me. But I don't invite God in. God's already here. So really what I'm doing is inviting myself to be aware of the presence of God right now. Opening myself up to it. Asking, knocking, seeking. That means being open to solutions. That means thinking in a way that is not at the level of the problem. Einstein said we will never solve problems by thinking at the level of the problem. We have to think higher. We think of the at the level of the solution. We think about what we do want, not spend time figuring out how to not do what we don't want. We think about what we do want. We focus our thoughts on the level of the solution, on the level of God, on the level of love. Most of us Go through life on the level of habit. We've done it enough times that we don't have to think about doing it anymore, so we'll just do that. Until something, and as Alice Walker so beautifully says in her book, sometimes trouble, <laughs> sometimes deep pain, something makes us go, oh, this habit is really not working for me. Sometimes it's a scale. Sometimes it may be waking up the next morning going, what did I do last night? To not repeat habits, which is just using the level of the problem thinking to find a solution. So um, this may or may not have anything to do with loving God, but as I was doing my research, I ran into this phrase 
You should just research loving God sometimes. Um, and this is from, obviously, a, 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 a Christian with a more fundamentalist point of view. What is one thing God cannot do? Well, it's three things. He cannot lie, he cannot change, and he cannot allow sinners into heaven. Woo. Well, that doesn't sound like the very powerful God, does it? Okay, he cannot lie. I can go with that. We can lie to ourselves about God and believe something we've been told about God that isn't true. Because if it isn't love, it isn't true. If you are ever reading anything that has the word God in it, if you cannot easily substitute the word love in the place of that word God and have the sentence make sense, then that ain't God. Because God is only love. What God can't do, God can't hate. God can't change. Of course God can change. As our construct, as our concept, as our ability to work with, God changes. If we are all one, then we're all in it together. And if we're evolving, we're all moving forward. Ooh, I could get struck down for saying that. But it's not the big white man with the beard on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. That's not who God is. That was an idea of God in the 16th century, of the 17th century. That was the idea of God. But that's not who God is. That's not who God is. And so we could say, that God can't change. Well, guess what? It can't change if that's who you've decided God is. So it has nothing to do with God's ability, but your ability. And then cannot allow sinners into heaven. Mm. I meditate on that one for a while. At first I went, and then I thought, oh, with my concept today of heaven and hell, hell is when I am functioning at the level of the problem, when I am reacting out of habit and out of not good feelings, that is hell to me. And I've lived there for long periods of time sometimes, and I can go there today, usually for much shorter periods of time. And if heaven is the place where we are not running around with this heavy backpack of guilt on our backs, when we're not running around trying not to see the things that we know we should be addressing, but we're afraid to address, when we're not running around in total fear of everyone else because we've forgotten that they are us, right? That's heaven. That's heaven. And so can't allow sinners into heaven as long as you think that you're not good enough, as long as you wear your backpack of guilt, as long as you wear your backpack that says, I will never be good enough because I am a wretched worm and this is the best I can do and thank God someone else died to save me, then you're right. You will not get into heaven, which is a place inside your mind and which is a place that we can project out into the world. So it's not that our sins, that punishment for our sins keeps us in hell or doesn't let us into heaven. It's that the activity of our sins, of the times that we've missed the mark, and every time you think you're not worth anything, you are sinning, you are missing the mark. You are not on the bullseye, you haven't even hit the target. So yeah, 
Think about that. What are you doing that keeps you out of heaven? That keeps you out of a place of peace, a place of joy, a place of love, a place of harmony? And can you let go of that? And can you let go of it not by getting down to its level and boxing with it and trying to subdue it, but can you let go of it by saying, I know a higher way. I believe that there is a love that is all-powerful, and I want to be a part of that love. I want to add to that love. I want to be a witness for that love. I want to be that love walking around in these clothes today. That is heaven. That is heaven, y'all. No one can keep you out except you. So no matter what your concept or construct of God is, and by the way, we all have a concept or a construct. What God is is way too big for, for our human minds to comprehend. We cannot comprehend eternity. Not only does it never end, but it never began. Woo! You know? It's like a Zen koan. It's meant to scramble our brains and to make us not complacent in thinking we've got God in a box. It's a pretty good box. We like it, so let's just leave God there. We're all constructing something about God. We all have a concept of God. So here's the deal. Everything I've said to you today might just be a construct that I made up. What construct are you making up? And is it working for you? Because my construct works pretty good. Do you see that if you make the choice for love, life gets better? It doesn't matter what, you know, the truth is. It is use what works. And how do you know it works? Are you more loving? Do you have peace in your life? Are you more grateful? Are you more aware of the beauty of the world and your blessings in it? Are you compassionate toward others? Do you feel healthy in your mind? Are you whole? Are you free? That's how you knew, know that you're using whatever your concept of God is for your good and for the good of the world. And that's all that really matters. That's all that really matters to me. If I'm wrong, I want to be wrong in love and in joy and in openness and in freedom and in wholeness. So that's my concept of God. And what I have to do to keep that, I have to spend time. I have to practice mindfulness, being aware in each moment, noticing, staying in the present. I have to be grateful. When I notice and I'm aware, I have to say thank you and understand that little old me did not create it, but the I that is the I am of all of us created it. And I have to ask for help when I need it. Ooh. Yeah. Because if you need help and you're not asking for it, you know your ego is in charge. That's how you know. And I know this because I do that. Because <laughs> I am that. I are that. And then maybe can we, you ask for help when you need it just as you give help when you see that it is needed. Which you will when you're spending time and practicing love and gratitude. And then you can sing. For me, that brings me closer to God than anything. You can sing in glorious praise. The best way to serve God, the best way to love God is to be that in the world. You are an angel, which means a messenger of God. That's all it means. 
Somebody painted a picture of something with wings and we decided just like that old white man with a beard that an artist rendered it so it must be true. No, that is a idea of what an angel might look like, but an angel simply means messenger of God. So what message are you bringing? And I'm going to leave you with a quote by Stephen Charleston, who is a Native American elder and an Episcopal bishop. Think about that for a minute. Here is one way to look at yourself through spiritual eyes. You are a message. When you wonder what existence is all about, when you ask about your purpose in life, or when you feel small in comparison to the troubles of the world, remember that you are a message sent by spirit into creation. What you say, what you do, how you think and feel, your whole life is a long and sustained message for others to encounter, experience, and receive. You are a living message sent to touch more lives than you can ever imagine. Namaste. So let's just take this into prayer for a moment. We won't do 12 minutes, but I invite you to do that when you get home. So for just this moment, notice, notice yourself. Notice your breathing. Notice your body made in wonder and honor and your spirit joined to your body for this lifetime. The spirit that is joined to the body but not held down by it. Notice your freedom to think what you want to think. be who you want to be to act as you wish to act. There's that freedom in all of us and yet those of us who live in this country right now actually have that freedom in law. Can I have a big thanks for that? serving God, your worship of God, whatever that is for you, the divine presence, the presence of love in the world, is 100% totally yours to experience, to decide about, to accept or reject. for that privilege.
and give thanks that we're not doing it from a jail cell because someone decided they didn't like the way we expressed our service to our God. As we sit in this awareness, just allow that awareness to expand in you. I can be in heaven right now. All I have to do is lift my thoughts higher to allow love. say thank you and get that shot of dopamine. I can live in heaven and in that heaven God is whatever I need God to be. In the Jewish religion there are many, many names for God. Yahweh. The I Am. Elroy, the God who sees me. El Shaddai, the breasted one, the one who is all sufficient for me. El Olam, the eternal. Yahweh Yireh, God who provides. Adonai, the master, the teacher. Yahweh Rapa, the word, the Lord who heals. Yahweh Shalom, the God of peace. Emmanuel, God with us. In the Islamic tradition, their word for God is Allah. It's the single proper name for the one. But there is Ar-Rahman, the compassionate and beneficent. Ar-Rahim, the merciful. Al-Qudus, the holy. As-Salam, the source of peace. Al-Mutakabir, the majestic. Al-Khalik, the creator. Al-Bari, the evolver. Al-Fatah, the opener. Al-Alim, the all-knower. We are forgiven before we ask but it is asking that allows us to forgive ourselves. We are blessed with beauty whether we notice it or not. But our task is to be aware so that we can experience the joy of that. Peace is available to us at all times, but we must open ourselves to it. Passion comes easily to us.
In the, in the Christian tradition, we borrow some of the Jewish names, Yahweh, Jehovah, God, the Christ. It all means the same thing. This love that it is so powerful and so all consuming and so overcoming that it has all of these attributes at the moment that we need them. Forgiveness, might, mercy, protection. The rock that we hold on to, the stream that carries us when we let go of the rock. Whatever we are, wherever we are, God is. And all is well. Amen. Amin. Ashe. Aho. And amen.